welcome to Mere Plat Taste Buds. We're your buds, Melissa. And Emily. And Mere Plat Taste Buds is a podcast about food, our daily lives, and how they intersect. Oh, yeah. Today we have a pretty enticing episode, I should say. Uh, <laughs> perhaps controversial for some. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> quite excited to talk about this one. It's all about weed, cooking with cannabis. Something that I feel like has really evolved uh, in the last few years, especially. So, Absolutely. Yeah, it's exploded, I would say, actually, is the word I would use. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what are you sipping on over there? I've got some Sauvignon Blanc over mm. here. Mm. Nice tall glass of that. So <laughs> how about you? Love it. In honor of the theme today, I am having a weed-infused cocktail. I was going to drink wine, and then I was like, wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) So I decided to mix up like a ginger lime. I was going to do a spritzer, but Derek took the water bottle that you can make the soda water in, so I don't have fizzy water. I just had to put a float of still flat water on top of it, but it's honestly honestly still really good. So I put a little bit of lime in there and a little bit of jalapeno too, so it kind of has like a tiny bit of kick from the jalapeno and the ginger, but it's super tasty. Oh, and some agave. So, And then on top of that, I just dropped from my little eyedropper. Uh, about like seven <laughs> drops of tincture, which I honestly don't remember what that dosage is, but I know we'll that find out. <laughs> I know what is too much, and this is not too much. So, <laughs> seven drops seems like a lot. So, must be like fairly I, diluted, I guess. <laughs> I was going to do five, but then I was like, "Fuck that! I'm about to get lifted." This is the 420 episode, y'all. <laughs> so here we are. <clears throat> now I'm jealous. I wish that I still had like some of that weed chocolate or something. I was going to see alas. if you did. Uh, no, sorry. I ate it. <laughs> <laughs> it has been gone for like a week already. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's good chocolate. That's so true. Well, let's get cooking. So a little history, of course. We love to start it off there. So the medicinal properties of cannabis have been known for a millennia. Like literally 10,000 years is what I've I've read somewhere is like how long people have been using weed. And it goes as far back as like 2800 BC where it was used to treat an array of health problems and was even listed in Emperor Shen Nung's pharmacopoeia. So mm. it's also not only just like medicinal like therapeutic as well so a bunch of different health problems from arthritis depression inflammation pain lack of appetite wheat has been used to treat so there was also indications that in texts from indian hindus assyrians greeks and romans that there was some sort of therapeutic properties to this plant so goes back all over the world yes all over it's crazy i read something too that was talking about how it started out in the fertile crescent and how they actually some theorize that it's why we switched from being hunters and gatherers and started to settle down and like focus on agriculture was that weed actually played a role in that. So that's pretty wild to think about. I know it's just a theory, yeah, but it, like put us on our asses and we're like, <laughs> no, no, we're like, I'm a slow down. We need <laughs> like, to, <laughs> we need to grow this and cultivate it. And to do that, to do agriculture, you must stay in one spot. You're not just starting a farm and then leaving. 
true. So it was I mean, part of could. it. <laughs> I mean, I guess, but that's leave really... it for the next person. <laughs> it takes a lot to start a farm, bitch, and you know this. Yeah, no, it does. It does. <laughs> that makes sense. It tracks. Yeah. So it was one of the first plants that's been used for medicinal purposes, religious ceremonies, and recreationally. So it's got a lot of purposes going back years and years. Plus, like hemp, I feel like too is like a huge crop reason too and like an industrial purpose so absolutely which is probably probably bigger reason also in the beginning for it's like agricultural reasons too i mean right? rope and canvas and all the things you the can necessities make were all kind of made out of that so mm-hmm. but back in like the 10th century in india there was a beverage called bang which supposedly was uh one of the kind of first uses uh of it as being used for like narcotic properties and bang started to become really really popular by like 18 or 1580 it was started to see kind of more widely and buds and leaves were ground with a mortar and pestle into this like green paste and then they would add milk and ghee which is like Mm. a clarified butter and then spices were also mixed into this some other recipes, which there's honestly a lot of different varieties, were that they would specifically like boil the leaves first. Um, but usually the most common method was like with that mortar and pestle to be ground hmm. and the leaves to be pulverized and mixed with like small amounts of sugar and water to make these little like balls of what they call bangoli. So. Very interesting. Uh, I'd be curious to see what that like tastes like. At this point, like cooking with cannabis, I feel like wasn't really considered to be like a drug. You know, like you said, it had all these medicinal properties. It was used more so as like a sleeping aid. Some people used it more as like an appetizer to kind of like, you know, prep your appetite for the meal ahead. Makes sense. Um, So yeah, it definitely gets you hungry. So I get it. (laughs) And around the same time in Europe, cannabis was starting to also become popular as an ingredient in cooking. There was a 15th century Italian scholar named Bartolomo Platina who produced a cookbook that was called An Honorable Pleasure and Health. And that (laughs) actually had one of kind of the first like weed recipes that's been recorded. (laughs) I like that title. It's amazing. I know, right? <laughs> I had to, had to include it because it's just a great name. Uh, I feel like that this podcast embodies that idea a little bit. Yes. <laughs> also, what the fuck that that bangs energy drink? I know. Like, it's all I could think about when I heard that. It was like, and they they said that like it was kind of like an onomatopoeia type thing, and that's why it was called bang. I think it's something in the process of when they're making it, it like makes that sound or something. I'm unclear. What? But- <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm even more confused by that, but they Bangs really missed an opportunity to be a weed drink. Like, y'all fucked up. Yeah. I Truly, bet it already I, is one. Yes. <laughs> I bet a weed company was like, God damn it. <laughs> I mean, I guess you could spell it differently and call it whatever you want, but That's anyway. <laughs> yeah, and technically this is spelled differently because it has an H. Yeah, exactly. Versus energy drink That's true. Not. That is true. That's why I was like, I could still run with it. <laughs> uh, maybe we will. Pat pending. Trademark. Don't do it. <laughs> anyway, we're going to pause here to get a little bit sciencey because honestly, this stuff, when you break it down, is is science. Is I mean, science. Yeah. I don't get it. Half the stuff, I'm like, these are hard words. This is, oh, yeah. talking <laughs> chemistry. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of diagrams. I was like, mm hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
when we're talking about some of this stuff, I mean, obviously we're no experts, so don't take us, you know, too crazy here, but we're going to kind of break it down a little layman's terms for you. So around the 1840s, there's this guy named William Brooke O'Shaughnessy who actually introduced cannabis kind of more to the Western world after living in India. And he wrote about like all the therapeutic properties. And there was even a case where cannabis had stopped convulsions in a child. So it's pretty crazy that we're talking like 1840s. People are already just like starting to realize how like amazing this is all over the world. From here, like in the late 1800s, the scientists are already starting to isolate cannabinol. And then lab synthesis was really achieved in like the 1940s, where they're really separating those all out. And they're doing a lot of experiments with the single cannabinoids, where that was kind of like the 1940s, 1950s, which I was kind of surprised because I was like, oh, that's like 1890s is like, wow, okay. Scientists yeah, doing things in labs is just like, I want to just forget. Ahead of its time, it seems <laughs> yes, like. It does. It <laughs> there does was labs me. back then. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what were these like? I like tried to imagine these like mustachioed men in their vest three-piece suits <laughs> with like yeah, no masks or gloves. wild <laughs> and very unethical, I'd imagine. Yeah, <laughs> loose. They're paying fast and loose with the rules. <laughs> but anyway... The ones that you most commonly hear about, those cannabinoids, are THC and CBD and then CBN. So CBN is like not even talked about, which I was like, I don't even know what that is. I've never heard of that in my life. It's interesting because it's kind of like this like this third sister that's just like totally forgotten. Um, I think there's I know I think there's just not (laughs) enough research yet. And because it's sort of less differentiated from the two it kind of just like falls in the middle so it's that middle yeah, child you forget you about that, like highness and it's not mm-hmm. getting like the benefits of cbd so it's yeah othered. it does have some <laughs> benefits but <laughs> so cannabidiol or cbd and then cannabinol which is cbn are two of more than a hundred types of natural chemical components called cannabinoids that are found in the cannabis plant So those two are typically non-psychoactive and don't alter your mind. So CBN in high doses can get you high, but it's it's like way less than THC. So and THC, which is tetrahydrocannabinol, uh, (laughs) so so many big words. I know, so funny. (laughs) So it's present in cannabis mainly as acids that are decarboxylated when cannabis is heated. So that's the thing that's really getting you high is like the THC. So people are talking about talking about the THC count. What's the percent? Blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. So with that, you got to break down decarboxylation here because I, every time I hear that word, I'm like, what? It is yes. just really a fancy word of saying – a way of saying like heating it up. <laughs> but <laughs> okay. it's actually the chemical reaction that removes a carboxyl group and releases carbon dioxide. So – with weed, you heat it up and it converts basically that tetrahydrocannabinolic acid, which is THCA, into that's non-psychoactive, into the cannabinoid acid, so which is highly intoxicating, and it's just THC. So that compound, that produces the euphoria and the high. So if you don't heat up your weed, you're going to lose a lot of that those properties when you go to like put it into edibles and things when you're cooking. So, and even when you're smoking it, like that's why it gets you high. Like you burn it, that process releases the THC and and that's what's doing it. So it's something interesting that is not just related to weed, like decarboxylation is a thing that applies to anything. So it's a good term to know just in general. (laughs) (laughs) But 
the trick to decarboxylation is low and slow, my slow and steady, of course. So often people will overheat things and it'll kind of also ruin that property so it won't get you as high. So one of the best ways that it seems like nowadays to do it, since CV machines are a lot more affordable and more people can like have them in their everyday kitchens, that's a really easy way to control the temperature. So you can basically just set an immersion circulator in water at around 203 degrees for about 60 to 90 minutes with your bag of like vacuum sealed or like ground up weed and it'll decarboxylate it and then it's ready to be used. Mm -hmm. It's pretty crazy. So it's interesting, like, because there's obviously a lot of, like, research that's still happening with all, all of this stuff since it is kind of newer to being legal um, or at least on its way to being more legal in a lot of places. But there's early evidence that CBN has a lower potency than THC as a psychotropic agent and that, like, obviously CBD lacks the psychotropic activity altogether. So you do see CBD now in a lot of different products, but that's not going to get you high. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting to think about this like ugly sister of CBN and like the fact that I've never even heard of it makes me wonder how they're even regulating it, I guess. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because like obviously THC isn't always legal in every you know space that you're in, but CBD for the most part is mm-hmm. legal for consumption. Mm-hmm. Um, because it doesn't give you that high, like you said. But if CBN does have some sort of properties that could be, yeah, I think it's interesting to think when when is that pass into totally. an illegal substance? <laughs> How will they regulate it and like classify? Exactly. Yeah, mm-hmm. it is interesting to think about. It'll be curious to see like what more research says as as they do more studies and things too. Absolutely. I mean, we're learning more every every day for sure. <laughs> we sure are. <laughs> <laughs> but CBD uh, is different from THC, as we'd mentioned, because it's mostly derived from the hemp plant. And it's huge right now. Like you said, you can find it in pretty much everything. Infused mm-hmm. products in grocery stores to gas stations. A lot of beauty products will have it nowadays, like oils, shampoos, creams, pills, um, I've seen a lot of like bath bombs that have it for sure. Yes. I've been saving one to use for a while because I'm like, is it going to work? What's it going to do? I like want it to be like a special long bath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've never used one of those, but I would definitely be interested to see. I've only like consumed edibles for CBD, but I don't think I've had anything that's been infused. With yeah. It. We have a friend too that swears by those bath bombs though. So I know she mm-hmm. has like a lot of like really sensitive skin and stuff too. And she's like, like joint like, pain. Pretty, yeah. Huge yeah. for the joint pain. Mm-hmm. I should have used it after I ran the marathon or something. That would have been a good time. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. Didn't totally. have a bathtub while we were traveling. That would be a weird thing to pack, too, like a CBD bath bomb. Weird thing to bank on. You know? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you know your squat's got a good one. <laughs> yeah. But CBD is also in a lot of, like, supplements for pets and animals. I know a few of our friends have given, like, CBD to some of their dogs that are, like, you know, very nervous wrecks and stuff oh, like yeah. that. So. <laughs> Uh, that's an interesting use case as well. I tried giving it to Duke once, but I I don't know if it was also just like the stress of like going on a trip, but he puked. Oof. So I was like, all right, I don't know if it was the CBD or just like you. He's already yeah. a pukey cat, so it's very hard to tell if it was any truth. That's like him. his normal state of being. So who yeah. knows? <laughs> yeah, he's like his mother, anxiety ridden. But people often use CBD to help manage a lot of symptoms from anxiety or insomnia or maybe even like chronic pain and other actual like medical conditions there's 
also some evidence of it being beneficial against like certain seizures, maybe like epilepsy or certain other syndromes. And there's also a lot more research happening for Parkinson's, MS, cancer, diabetes, and even schizophrenia, which is very interesting. Yeah, it's a wide array of things that are. are That's like literally everything. It's like, what Mm -hmm. don't you cure? That's what I think is so crazy. (laughs) And then it's so insane that it hasn't been legal for so long. Yeah. Because there are, there's so much evidence to support that it's, you know, like a beneficial drug. Um, But I think that that just goes to show how big pharma operates and yeah. how, how afraid they were for so long and, and how powerful they really had a death grip on the on the industry absolutely yeah yeah so as we said like cbn is not as popular or readily available so there are some products that are out there on the market it is just not like ta- flouted and taunt and what is touted that's the word that's the word i'm looking yeah. for touted <laughs> flouted yeah i was like is that, i was thinking flout us when i said it and i was like that's wrong <laughs> no <laughs> am i high already maybe <laughs> she's already thinking about mexican food <laughs> i am halfway through this cocktail i actually have a pie that i was planning on eating too in this episode in case i was like not high enough so if i need more i got more don't worry <laughs> good galley <laughs> So there hasn't been a lot of human or animal research done on the benefits, uses, or the side effects. So CBN is slowly gaining popularity for its potential benefits for sleep and pain management in particular. So it's something that we'll have to kind of keep an eye on as as things change. But when THC components found in the cannabis plant age, they break down, and this leads to the formation of a less potent cannabinoid called CBN. So it's about 25% as effective as THC is what I read, and it makes it a lot more of like a mild chemical. So for some people, I honestly just heard an ad on another podcast where it was literally called, I think it was called Dad Weed or like Dad Buds or some <laughs> shit, but Amazing. it was literally advertising like a less potent strain that was like remember the weed of the old days that you could smoke and like not get too fucked up on this is that and i was just like is this a real product like this is hilarious so apparently Uh, our parents would probably love that because i feel like they always comment on that they're like weed is not the same oh yeah absolutely absolutely that'd be so funny i'll I'll have to recommend it i'll have to find that company i almost died laughing i was like what dad buds i hope that's the name because that's a great name dad buds is good it's like dad bods it's good marketing yeah solid hilarious (laughs) but things in the u.s started to really change in the 1930s prohibition had just been repealed and bureaucrats kind of started having this whole new target in 1936 the film reefer madness was released which (laughs) great name another great name the posters are hilarious also if you have never seen a poster for reefer madness or any of the scenes even are it's ridiculous it's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> comical destroying the world yeah <laughs> but yeah it started like really demonizing cannabis and making it look like this highly addictive drug that would cause mental disorders <laughs> and violence and chaos and reefer madness campaign was really just an attempt to create a narcotic scare and in particular put marijuana as like public enemy number one and make Mm -hmm. it seem as dangerous as heroin and cocaine which is literally insane insanity (laughs) no one's really ever died from weed let's be real literally it reminds me of that scene in half-baked where you're like you're in here for some marijuana i'm like yes absurd (laughs) is that like na meeting Man, I should, we should watch all the like stoner, stoner <laughs> yeah, comedies, stoner flicks. There are so many good ones. That is real. There are so many. Yeah, that's a whole. Genre. You know, 
also there's probably things coming out on the streaming services because they do this every year now where they'll like air shows that are specifically geared towards stoners on that day so i'm sure there's like some show or movie that they're like gonna release on 420 hilarious so true Mm -hmm. yeah (laughs) good thing you're in town (laughs) 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 but it's really sad actually because one of the things that's mainly wrapped up in this prohibition is a lot of like racism and classism. So essentially people with the power had issues with weed and a total stick up their asses and they wanted to call the shots and make the rules. So they they always do. (laughs) Exactly. They can't relinquish that. They're just like, no, it's my way or the highway. (laughs) And they suck. So (laughs) the drug started really gaining traction in the U S in like the 1910s after Mexican refugees brought marijuana with them as they fled the violence of the mexican revolution and then in the 30s it became super popular among the hepsters the black jazz community that was made up of hep cats like jazz singers cab calloway and he had had there's always hit songs obviously about weed at the time like i love billy holiday she's one of my favorites and she was obviously very into drugs in general but weed was also one of her vices if you mm. can call it a vice <laughs> um, and it just really got i think entangled with just a sense of like counterculture that they just like wanted to stamp out. And so they really just vilified weed hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's so interesting that it, it became so popular in those marginalized groups. So Mm -hmm. it's not, you know, hard to see why they use that to like vilify. 100%. They still use it today to still jail people of color. It's like still a hot button issue now that it's legal in so many places and we have people behind bars rotting in jail for fucking weed charges. It's like, it's, yeah, it's sad. It's still entirely racial. Yeah, it's <laughs> fucked up. <sighs> that is how the world works. <laughs> Sorry, a little Bo Burnham inside for you. <laughs> uh, never, never a bad thing to have Bo Burnham. It's still so relevant. It all, will always be. <laughs> Correct. But so pretty much in 1937, the uses of cannabis for medicinal and recreal, re- recreational purposes were effectively taxed out of existence in the United States by the Marijuana Tax Act. And then in 1970, the U.S. introduced the Controlled Sub- Substance Act, which listed cannabis as having no accepted medical use and high potential for abuse, which, again, is just like straight up lies and everybody knows yeah. that. But I find it's that funny so how you can just offensive. like change <clears throat> reality, you know, for whoever benefits most for it. Completely. Yeah. It's, it's ridiculous that there's like none. Like obviously there was scientific evidence. So it literally for them to say that it was baseless and there was no medicinal benefit is. It's just a lie. It's a slap yeah, in the face. <laughs> like it, fuck you. Politics can really dictate what is truth and fact. And I mm-hmm. think that that's always been like the most horrifying thing to me yeah <laughs> you know it, as the last few years in our country has shown us yeah it's science, hard. science in fact have often taken a back seat not been, yeah not been accepted so yeah so in the 1980s they actually realized that cannabinoid receptors were in the brain so it's super interesting because we have cannabinoid receptors naturally it just occurs <laughs> without any prompting so we make our own sort of version of thc which are endocannabinoids and this endocannabinoid system is one of the largest neurotransmitter networks in the human body so neurotransmitters are communication molecules that help the brain and the body communicate with each other via nerve cells 
So that helps maintain homeostasis and like mood, appetite, like tons of different functions all over your entire body. It's basically how your body functions and works, which is mm-hmm. pretty mind blowing and insane. And yeah. it's interesting because almost like all vertebrates have it and a lot of invertebrates also, even like mollusks will have cannabinoid receptors, which is wild to think about. So weird. It's so weird to think of yourself as producing your own THC, you know? Yeah, totally. And like that's something that's happening to to make your whole body function and work so you can feel and sense and have like emotions and moods and, and memories even. It was just like, wow, all these like super integral parts about what makes us human and who we are is related to that. So pretty big discovery. <laughs> um, and in 1996, the California was the first state to legalize medical cannabis in the U.S. by introducing the Compassionate Use Act. And then it's actually interesting because recre- recreational wouldn't become legal there until 2016. But 1996, like that's r- pretty early on. <clears throat> yeah. I thought they were much earlier for recreational but i guess it wasn't i honestly I mean, was surprised 2016 that. is fairly long ago i guess now too but that seems like fairly recent in the grand scheme yeah that's very real all righty and then in 2012 cbd was shown to alleviate schizophrenia symptoms in patients comparable to a conventional antipsychotic drug so we're starting to see that the tides are turning things are changing You're like oh shit we can't deny it yeah that's <laughs> weird maybe actually, beneficial we can't stop these damn scientists from doing this research <laughs> bless all those scientists huh. though that like stuck with it and they're like no you're wrong yeah you know, like this yeah could save lives if you just allow it <laughs> literally let it go so in 2016, Australia legalized medical cannabis and its cultivation for medical purposes. 2017, we see that CBD is demonstrated to reduce seizures, seizures in childhood epilepsy in a placebo-controlled trial. But let's be real. Legalization has been this long road in the United States. But it is exciting to see that we're like definitely, like you said, starting to see the turn in the tides. The medical use of cannabis has been legalized now in 39 states and the District of Columbia, and recreational and, and like adult use of cannabis has also been legal in the, the District of Columbia and 18 states, which is insane. Like that's yeah. <clears throat> a large amount of our country at this point. So that's pretty cool. I never thought like, I would see it, it go this quickly or like I knew it would probably happen in my lifetime, but I just I'm still kind like of 2016 away. to now. <laughs> it, that's essentially like five years in mm-hmm. five years. We have 39 states and 18 states for recreational. Like that's mm-hmm. a massive shift and change for yeah. sure. And it's changing every year, too. There's yeah. more more and more added. Yeah. Washington and Colorado were the first to legalize recreational in 2012. Um, yeah. So that's like so insane yeah it's Col- cool. i think colorado's like really taking it to <laughs> crazy lengths i feel like that's like the one state that everyone thinks of like legalizing it first and everything i actually didn't know that washington was like around the same time yeah i thought that uh, was interesting overshadowed <laughs> yeah because they're understated they're not braggadocious okay yeah they're just like we're chill we're <laughs> hanging out over here yeah honestly when i moved there it was groundbreaking to live somewhere where it was recreational and just the way they do rec is really great there and really open and really like positive and just yeah because i think that's the most interesting part of the like what states are legal is like everyone has their own systems and it's kind of fun Mm -hmm. to get to travel and see those different ways yeah like 
like you said, Washington, like it was so open, like you could, Mm -hmm. you could sniff the flower. You could like, it wasn't like you were hiding it and concealing it when you walked out the door, you know, versus like other places, like it has to be in like a closed bag and you can't literally like display certain things, you know, like I, we even like have a client that's a cannabis company that we Mm -hmm. do swag for. And like the certain rules and regulations that they have in cer- certain states, like you can't say hi, you can't have product that says that, you That's know, so stupid. So it's like, it's so restrictive and dumb. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> it doesn't make any sense, but just let it be open at that point. Like what is, I just don't at the, that point, stop manipulate, manipulating and trying to control the situation. Exactly. Just, just be happy you got those tax dollars and keep it moving. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, bless their hearts. <clears throat> Well, now we're going to switch gears to the part that actually pertains to this podcast, which is cooking with cannabis, um, which I've had the joy of trying many edibles over (laughs) many years, quite frankly, Uh, professionally (laughs) done, unprofessionally done. And honestly, we used to have (laughs) one of our friends used to make birthday cakes that were like special weed cakes in in college and they were amazing and really good and i mean i've had fruit roll-ups that were homemade i've had i have a pie right now that's in the fridge it's like a mason jar pie that has cookie crumbles at the bottom and like an espresso Mm. chocolate mousse that's super heavily infused and then the mascarpone cream oh my god (laughs) yeah and the mascarpone cream on the top is like really good um they're delicious but also, like, the espresso will keep you up. It's like a sativa <laughs> in that respect. <laughs> but, I mean, honestly, there's so many different products out there on the market now. It's insane. I mean, some of the classic, like, Chiba Chews and things like that have been around for a really long time. And um, there's tons of gummies and sour candies and hard candies and obviously suckers and things like that. Or there's the classic cookies and brownies. I mean, it goes the full gambit, <laughs> which is pretty amazing. So... Obviously, some people today are less interested in smoking it and more interested in eating it. And these things were kind of popularized, I feel like, by TV shows like Bong Appetit on Viceland, Martha and Snoop's Potluck Dinner Party, even on like VH1, (laughs) which had two seasons back in like 2016, which I want to find it because I've never actually seen it. And it might be on Hulu. I don't know. So, I've always wanted to watch that one. They seem like they'd be a great pairing. Yeah, <laughs> hilarious. And the guests that they had on there all looked like winners. So I'm going to have to find mm-hmm. that. But even there's Chopped 420, which came out on Food Network in 2021 and had like five episodes. There's Cooked with Cannabis, which I think is on Netflix. It's hosted by Khalees. Yeah, um, there's so even, random. Mm-hmm, I know. I didn't know that one existed. I was like, oh, what? I've never even heard of that one. So, And then Cooking on High, which is also on Netflix. So I had a couple, I think, like short like 15 minute episodes too. So there's just a bunch of ways that you can kind of learn more about these things just by watching others cook. And I think there's always been this wide idea that pot has to be like cooked and heated in order to be used. But there is some evidence that you could use like the actual raw flour, I suppose as well. Mm -hmm. Um, so there's a woman named Alice B. Toklas, who is actually like a Parisian bon vivant and a uh, cook and the girlfriend of Gertrude Stein. Love it. And <laughs> <laughs> presumably the she used to like treat a bunch of her friends to her famous hash brownies. And the recipe was provided in one of her cookbooks. But it was actually kind of believed that her 
brownies actually had no hash in them. They also didn't even really have chocolate. And it (laughs) was more so like, you know, this other like fudge type situation that she made. So the recipe wasn't actually baked at all, but smashed and balled raw, kind of like the Indian bang goalie things. So it was essentially like a teaspoon black peppercorns, a whole nutmeg, four average sticks of cinnamon, a teaspoon coriander, and these would all be pulverized into in a mortar and about a handful of each of destoned dates, dried figs, shelled almonds, and peanuts, chopped and then mixed together, and then a bunch of cannabis sativa that was pulverized. And this, along with the spices, would be dusted over the mixed fruit and nuts and kneaded together. And then about a cup of sugar was dissolved in a big pat of butter and rolled into a cake and cut into pieces or made into balls about the size of a walnut. And it should be eaten with care because two pieces were quite sufficient. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds wild. I feel like I've seen like, it's almost kind of reminds me of some of those like health energy, like nut balls that people make. I could Um, totally see that actually now that you say that. mm -hmm. I feel like when I was trying to think of an edible that I wanted, I was like, oh, I don't want this. I don't want that. I want like a healthy like treat that's like a granola ball kind of thing. So like this kind of reminds me of what I should have told uh, my friend to make for me. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So I'll have to to look into this further. It's interesting. (laughs) Seems like a lot of peppercorns. I don't know, though. A teaspoon of black peppercorns? A whole nutmeg, though. I guess this is making a lot. Maybe they like, it's making the, a large quantity. I yeah, think. yeah, that's I think true. It's like a big bowl. Not of them. seeing the volume. Yeah, that's that must be what it is. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of stuff in there, so don't yeah. don't doubt her. All right, this lady knew what she was doing. Yeah, she was cooking with it. <laughs> yeah, she had a lot of friends and famous people like William S. Burroughs and whatnot. So. <laughs> But yeah, marijuana can be eaten raw. However, eating undercooked weed can lead to some adverse <laughs> reactions, <laughs> such as constipation. So I would say be wary and think about it, but it can be done. It also can le- lead to delayed highness, where you eat too many then because you're like, oh, it's not working, and then you eat way too many, and that's another problem. <laughs> but why, you ask, it fucks up your GI tract? <laughs> so essentially, your digestive system has a number of molecules that bind to THC and the substances like it. So it can change the time it takes for the stomach to empty, and it can also affect the esophageal sphincter. Some also say that CBD can cause diarrhea, but honestly, on both these topics, there's really not enough research. And because constipation is a rare side effect of medical marijuana, it hasn't really undergone extensive studies or by researchers. So early studies in patient experiences that suggested sort of things like that also had things to do with it with the fact that a lot of the times these are bound with oils and edibles or butters and things. So those other additional ingredients could also be a factor in the Mm. side effects you're experiencing. (laughs) So just keep that in mind. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like brownies are the typical go-to method for edibles, but honestly, like nowadays you can find any kind of pastry, Mm -hmm. any kind of thing, honestly, that's in a lot of stuff nowadays. But, um, before making edibles, it is important to know the difference between the hundreds of different cannabinoids that are found in them and, uh, you know, know your strains and everything. So most of us already know like the THC and CBD, but obviously there are many other cannabinoids out in the world. Yeah. You should always obviously read up on the content of the flower you're buying and be sure that what you're getting is 
the type of plant profile that produces the desired effects that you want. So if you're not looking to feel like super high, maybe opt for a CBD rich strain or those of you that want to be really up in the clouds, then you want that THC rich cultivar. So obviously you have to consider those things and kind of strike a balance if you're looking for kind of a a middle ground on those. (laughs) And be aware for those people that it may be like THC wary, there, even products that are labeled as pure CBD may contain some trace amounts of THC. So the, a lot of times there's a common problem nowadays of mislabeling the percentages and accuracy isn't really regulated as well. So mm-hmm. you have to be aware that there may always be like small trace amounts. Yeah, I always see like articles where they're talking about like comparing to what the package said, like how how did these fare like rate and like a lot of the times they're not really accurate at all. So <laughs> you kind of have to take it with a grain of salt and like everyone's body is different, how they react and their tolerances. So you always just need to be kind of conscious of that as well. Yeah. So knowing your strains is also super important. <laughs> so indica is more of a body high. It's super relaxing, can cause drowsiness. It's awesome for nighttime and sleeping. There's usually higher levels of CBD. The way I always remembered that one was indica is indica couch. Like you're going to be chilling. You're going to watch a movie. You're going to want to like maybe take a nap. It's this is the be. best way to remember it I've ever heard. <laughs> I've, I've never been able to keep them straight, and that just like makes it so mm-hmm. so simple to, to remember. <laughs> Sativa, <laughs> on the other hand, is a head high. You feel energized, focused. It's great for daytime use. It's awesome if you're feeling creative or like even if you want to like bust through some projects, like clean the house or something like Saturday morning, this is your weed. <laughs> Sativas are a little harder to come by feel like you often see more indicas or indica dominant strains sativas people are always trying to snap those up but there's also hybrids out there of course so those obviously will be either more indica dominant or more sativa dominant but uh, often it's a really good combination of the two so plenty of options there are some pitfalls that you want to avoid when cooking with cannabis because she's a tricky minx so (laughs) A common mistake would be when cooking with cannabis that you have too high of temperatures and that can be really costly. So especially when cooking with THC, it could degrade at really high Mm -hmm. temperatures, usually temperatures above 365 degrees. So you'll want to be aware of that. And unfortunately, a lot of like ovens or stovetops are like rarely 100% accurate with their temperatures. So uh, you want to make sure to try to cap your temperature at 340 degrees to be safe. I would love to know how accurate my oven is. Is there a way to test that? I don't know. You got like one of those heat guns. Can you point? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not going to try and mess with it. I'm always trying to bake bread and sometimes it like will burn on the bottom. I'm like, what's going on here? Yeah. Y'all are fucking me up. That is a delicate balance. (sighs) Yeah. It's usually best to also leave out uh, your oil and butter until the very end. So while it might be tempting to add that ingredient in the beginning to like saute something or or like a medium high temp, for example, it's usually better to wait because that can actually strip out a lot of the THC. So instead, infuse once the creation is like almost complete, remove the pan from the heat and then add your oil or butter and mix it through. If your product is unevenly mixed, the THC might not be evenly distributed as well. So you'll risk having like some portions of your brownies or whatever you're making have like a section that's really high in dosage where some might not have any at all. So definitely be aware to like mix your things very evenly um, and make sure they're like level so that they're settling in the right positions. Yeah, there are a lot of ways to infuse too. I mean, the great thing about 
weed is that it binds really easily with fats and lipids. So it's often used in butters and oils to cook with. But there's a bunch of different ways and like products that you can use to kind of flavor your meals or, or whatnot. So one of the ways you can do it is keef, which this is one of the earliest forms that used to be like an infusion into food just because it was really easy to do because all you have to do is essentially agitate weed with a screen and then those little fine particulates will kind of sift out and you can use that to then make whatever you want. So it's great because you're using like the actual weed buds to then create, get these like terpenes and things. Um, but it doesn't really give you as much of a, like a punchy cannabis flavor. So as like a fresh bud would. So today, basically you're always are going to have to decarboxylate things. So what you would basically do is place the keef in an oven safe container and cover it. And you said you could bake it at like a low, very low temperature and then allow it to cool and then basically melt that into butter or oil. And then it's great with the keef because it is like already like a pretty fine powder because it's just basically what comes off those like little crystals, little glitter that's on the weed that <laughs> you can then use it to basically stir it into it and it dissolves really quickly. So that's a great way. And then Hash is a super, super popular way, I feel like now. Um, there's a couple of different ways that people kind of think of hash, though. So hash is actually made by compressing and processing parts of the cannabis plant and then usually focusing on the, like the flowering buds that contain most of those trichomes. So there's dry sift, there's bubble hash, which is like ice water hash. I mean, there's also hash oil, which is kind of what people think of as dabs. So the oil kind of refers to a spe like specifically to distillate which is more of like an extract with an oil-like consistency, but that consistency can vary even within that from like waxy to shatter to all these different things. So I feel like I watched someone make it on Viceland that was like a master of the craft and it came out really light and really flaky. And like, it's it really depends on how you create it and definitely super interesting. That's like a whole other ancient practice that has got years of, of just people doing it all over the world. So, but anyway, cooking with hash has gained a lot of traction because you can estimate the dosage more accurately than you can cooking sometimes with flowers. And since hash is like a homogenous mixture, it usually spreads THC evenly throughout a dish. So if you know the THC content of your hash, you'll be able to easily determine the THC per serving. And Obviously, with eating weed, people say like the high tends to last longer than smoking, obviously. But the flavor, supposedly, of hash is more like complex and earthy. So you can usually decarboxylate it by toasting it or doing like a water bath. So you had mentioned distillates, which, like you said, is like a viscous golden liquid created by refining cannabis. And distillation allows the processor to isolate a certain amount of a, com a compound from the cannabis plant and leave behind the unwanted plant material. So distillates are commonly used in like vape cartridges and can also be used in many edibles, topicals, or other cannabinoid products. Distillates also tend to be potent because they're usually isolated, like isolating a specific compound. Compound. Oh my God, talking is hard. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> <laughs> but terpenes, on the other hand, are basically essential oils from the plants that have no psychoactive properties and are just like pure flavor. Terpenes are what make certain strains smell or taste different from others. And I think everyone kind of knows <laughs> how weed can smell it sometimes. It yeah. smells a little skunky or whatever. So People are always talking about the terps and like that's 
it's I feel like become a lot bigger now about how like weed snobs are and like what they want. From, yeah. It's almost like wine tasting, you know, like, yeah. that's it's got those same kind of things where you could pick up on notes or it has these sort of flavors or, or whatnot. And even to that same extent, like they're literally like our pairings and tastings now where they will pair weed with certain things. So, yeah, yeah it's all about the Terps. <laughs> Are there going to be like weed sommeliers now? Oh, 100%. <laughs> they're like already if probably there aren't are. already. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say. It's hard to say if people would be as into all the test taking and the rigmarole it takes to become a sommelier. I don't think it would be maybe as regulated as as that might be, but it certainly it certainly is an esteemed thing to know your know your weed knowledge, so. I don't know if you're giving stoners enough credit. You know, I I think the stereotypical person that smokes weed is not actually the image, you know, that you have in your mind. I mean, I think it'll be an honorary title for people. I just don't know if it'll be as like. Yeah, I think it'd be a much more fun (laughs) way. (laughs) I would love to be a sommelier, but damn, I do not have the taste buds for that. Yeah, no, that's for sure. Another definition that you should probably know is live resin, which live resin is made from fresh buds that have been frozen and then processed. And live resins tend to be very potent with a lot of THC. Consumers love it because it has those like intense, rich flavors and aromas that carry over from the actual original plant. Mm-hmm. And by freezing the plant right after harvesting it, trichomes are preserved and the cannabis plant retains its valuable like terpene profile. So it has that original flavors and those mm-hmm. fragrances that are going to be super strong throughout the whole extraction process and then into the final product. Definitely. Another thing you can do to consume cannabis is honey. And it's interesting because they can actually produce cannabis-infused honey by having bees harvest cannabis resin from the plant's flowers and then bring it back to the hive where it's processed naturally, as it would just like any old normal nectar, which is really cool to think about. For some reason, I know it is pretty wild. For some reason, there's a lot of kind of like debate online where people like don't believe this is possible or don't believe it's true. You can do your own research on that. I definitely I've seen a couple people claiming it and it seems real so I don't know why it wouldn't be um yeah it's interesting also because bees don't have those endocannabinoid systems so they actually aren't like getting any sort of psychotropic effects from pollinating the weed and using that to make their honey so thought that was kind of (laughs) probably for the best if they were all high (laughs) from going from flower to flower yeah that's very real Also, if you can't get your hands on honey that is made by bees that is all natural like that, you can also just basically decarb some oil with weed and then mix it into honey. It kind of turns into like a creamed honey kind of consistency or look. So it's not like opaque or it's more opaque and it's not translucent. So I'm sure that the ones that are made by bees is probably pricey. So. Yeah, <laughs> that seems yeah. definitely like a delicacy. Uh-huh. I can't wait to get it. I love honey. I'm huge into honey. So I think that'd be a really fun thing to have. And I've had like honey sticks before that were mm. infused. They must have been infused with like an oil or something though, because I remember bragging about the bees doing it themselves. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. It's funny because one of my favorite like ways that I've had weed was actually as like a tea. Oh yeah, totally. So I feel like It'd be really cool to like pair a honey with a tea and have a whole thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, it's so real. That was definitely one of my favorites. 
And then there's obviously sugars that could also be made by combining alcohol-based tinctures and sugars to allow it to completely dry out. And then with some regular stirring, you can use like a dehydrator at a low temp to help it evaporate a lot faster. Um, But yeah, usually it's about one part tincture to two parts sugar. Yeah. I think that'd be another really great way to do it. I saw a lot of the times on those like weed cooking shows, they'll do cocktails. And one of the things that they do use is like sugars on the rims and things, which I thought would be really cool. So obviously going into those sugars, you need tinctures, which is what I have and what I often have been using lately. So tinctures are alcohol-based typically. Uh, They're usually just kind of cannabis extracts. So you infuse alcohol, usually like high proof food grade alcohol. Everclear is a really good option to make these tinctures, but you can avoid using alcohol and use glycerin instead, which is basically a plant-based oil and it's a good replacement. But glycerin sometimes is not as efficient at bonding to the cannabis compounds and sometimes won't produce as potent of a tincture. So they usually recommend using the alcohol. But So essentially what you do is you're going to decarboxylate your cannabis flower concentrate if you're using flour, you usually are supposed to grind it up. Usually the finer the better, but it, it'll work even with like a coarse grind. Um, you can even just put the weed in there whole. I've seen people do it both ways. <laughs> so kind of up <laughs> to you. But I saw, I saw one person say that it, if you do grind it, grind it finer, it has more of a chance to expose more of the cannabinoids. And so there's a higher THC yield. Don't know if it's true, but Sounds, Seems like that would make sense. Sounds to me plausible. I mean, if you yeah. want espresso, you grind the beans fine. If you want high fucking yeah. ass weed sh- terps things that are gonna fuck you up, that seems like you'd just grind it more too. But I don't yeah. know. And I, I feel like it'd be be more like easily mixed and stuff, and like have so a better funny. consistency. So yeah, yeah. So you're gonna mix your flour, your concentrate in a mason jar with that high proof alcohol, preferably Everclear, whatever you got. You want to close that jar and you can let it sit for a few weeks and like shake it once a day or something like that. And then after a few weeks, you'd strain it through like a coffee filter and then you could always avoid (laughs) waiting several weeks and just shake it for like a couple minutes and and strain and store, which I thought was interesting. I was like, that doesn't really make sense to me, but but it's great for tinctures because you can use it in cocktails, as I said. But if you also have glycerin, you can just like put a few drops under your tongue and it works that way too. So if you don't want to like consume something like super caloric or like something super like fatty or whatever, it's an easy way to kind of like slip it into something else like a liquid or I said someone said that you could put it in like gravy on mashed potatoes or things like that. And I was just like, that's such a <laughs> random, that's a very <laughs> random suggestion. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> yeah. The, the good thing about cannabis cocktails is that alcohol goes into your bloodstream really quickly. So it's definitely like faster than edibles too. So if you're looking for like pain relief or like medication, um, in that respect, it's like way more faster acting. So you know we like to drink here. Yeah, that'll make you feel good. Yeah, make you feel <laughs> real <Dang>. good. <laughs> um, I recently have been dealing with like asthma, like post-COVID, some sort of issues. And I honestly have been relying so heavily on edibles and medicating myself in like other ways than smoking, which I've never really traditionally thought this would be some way that I would primarily get high. So it's kind of like a whole new world in a way. And at first I felt like, oh my God, this sucks so much. And honestly, now that I've had like a few weeks to kind of sit with it, I don't mind that much. Like I honestly, like I love, I love an excuse to eat. (laughs) 
<laughs> it honestly yeah. like opens more do- more doors in a weird way, you know, because it literally, yeah. like you said, it could be a tincture. It could mm-hmm. be in mashed potatoes. It could yeah. be in chocolate. You could have a cocktail. Yes. You know, there's like endless possibilities. And that's what I like about it. I've never really been big on smoking. It's just like not my preferred medium. <laughs> yeah, <fair. laughs> um, So I like that there's like this other method that, you know, it can be really fun, I think, you know, yeah. and like watching a lot of those cooking with cannabis shows really showed me like, good God, you can, you can make anything with cannabis. Honestly, like- that made, I just watched a bunch in preparation for this episode and it made mm-hmm. me realize how much you can do with it and how much experimentation and fun you can have with it as like a chef and in the kitchen. Like honestly, yeah. if you're looking for, if you're someone who doesn't smoke weed and you're like, what are they talking about? Go watch Bong Appetit. I think that one's the best one personally. They show a lot of different methods. Like each episode kind of focuses on a different thing like terpenes or or distillates or something. And they'll focus also on like a way it's smoked and like how people smoke and enjoy it and like sit around a table after they've had this meal. And like some of the chefs don't smoke weed. They just had, I just watched one of the Korean guy that did not smoke weed and he tried it once and like wasn't into it, but he was like, doing all this really amazing Korean food with it. And it looked awesome. Like he literally did a uh, some fried like chicken that they like shook up with, I think it was keef and like actual weed in a bunch of like spice mixes and stuff and did like oh. awesome. Yeah, there's just so many cool ways to use it from the cocktails to the, and like that when they open up that cabinet and seeing all the different products even that you can put into food, it was just like, wow. Yes. Wow. Yeah, there's powders, there's liquids, yeah. there's butters. Yeah, there's, there's some you know, that are water soluble that literally dissolve in water, you know? So it's like, yes. it's just, it, it is the future of, of cannabis. And honestly, I mean, it, cannabis is so much safer than alcohol. So it's so funny that we really tried to restrict this so hard for so long. Um, yeah. It's just, there's possibilities around this, people. <laughs> yeah it's interesting because i really do think it was the racial aspect that was the difference between weed and alcohol because they both basically been around the same amount of time they both Mm -hmm. you know been used by everyone and uh you know has the same kind of effects i guess most you could say um but like weed has so many more medicinal properties but it just had that aspect of like this certain group yeah you know more like like undesirable yeah yeah undesirable we're going to use it against them (laughs) yeah weaponize it Mm -hmm. so but that's just that's the thing different strokes for different folks honestly what might be right for you might not be right for some Honestly, you should try these things for yourself and form your own opinions and not let anyone else tell you how to live your life or how to feel about it. It's up to you. And that's what America's about. So fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think it's important to like form your own opinion about something because just because someone says that it's wrong or bad doesn't necessarily mean that it is, you know? Yeah. It's like who... What's the reasoning behind your thought process? Yeah, why do you say it? (laughs) Yeah, honestly, watching a lot of the people that do use this as medicine too, it's just Mm -hmm. the the fact that people would prevent people from having this as a medicine. If this is literally what stops your seizures, if this makes you eat again because you have not had an appetite, like anything that will help ease pain, like this is a more natural way to do it and more power to you. So I feel like that yeah. just there's just should be no reason to stop people from trying to live their best 
fullest expression of their life. Yeah. I want to know what the excuse is for the remaining states that still don't have medical is. Like, Legitimately. What is your rationale? Legitimately. I don't see it. <laughs> no. Either do I. But on that note, I think it's time for cheers. Hell yeah. I mean, I think we've argued both sides of like the benefits of recreational. I mean, from funding things from the tax dollars to being able to treat other drug addictions and something safer than alcohols. Obviously, the benefits are innumerable for so many things in the medical side. So I think we should cheers to this prohibition ending. I mean, we've almost got all the states on the medical. Let's get all, let's get all of them. Let's go for that. Yeah. That's the next goal. And <laughs> that that I think the in the goal. next like five to ten, though, it'll they'll all start to fall, you know? Mm-hmm. With so many other ones starting recreational, it's like it makes it hard even now to stop your neighboring states, you know, like yeah. literally Illinois is recreational, but Missouri is only medical. But mm-hmm. there's nothing to stop you from going to Illinois and buying something, you yeah. know? Correct. <laughs> so it's like, how can we how can we keep policing this like this? It doesn't make sense. So yeah. it, it's only going to become more and more beneficial for states. I think everyone is seeing the monetary values, like you said, yeah. that can be brought uh, to a state. I know the government, state. there's been whispers too in Congress of them like, passing something to declassify it as like a like a federally yeah i can't remember what it was should have researched that sure didn't (laughs) (laughs) on that note happy 420 happy 420 woohoo stay high friends (laughs) cheers cheers